Okay. I'm a, I'm a rough. Okay, so Wonderkind. I I liked this. I really liked this. It was um it was a good introduction to the rest of the characters and it was like I liked the the focus being a bit more on Gunther as well and how we came sort of to be invited and how we came in and how we came to be involved. Um I'd probably I'd probably give this like a four out of five stars if I was rating it on Goodreads. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Well I'm definitely glad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we'd be saying so, if you said you hated it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, what, where would we be? I I, I don't know. <laughs> we probably just leave in some. I didn't. But I didn't. It was great. And, and tend um, to our wounds. That's it. <laughs> I'd be drinking. I think maybe something something very strong, possibly made of rye. Sounds good. Hmm. So, do that. so yeah. So, where did the idea for well, not just this story, but for the whole series come from? I'm curious about that. Hmm. How do we tackle that one, Jay? Well, for a start, I'm turning. I'm turning off push to talk because um, otherwise, yeah, I've, be... I've turned off push to talk because yeah. it's impossible. It's impossible otherwise. So we had a huge brainstorming session. Actually, let, let's go even back before that. We were talking in one day about back in the days when there was a lot of air travel. You may remember the dimness of time. There used to be these things called airport bookshops. And they'd have these little spinner racks yeah. out the front and they'd have like novels in them that you could buy. And um, I vaguely remember those things. And we thought, how awesome would it be to write an airport novel? And we were like, well, what would that be? It could be a thriller. But we really liked writing sort of science fiction, something adventure-y. And um, so we had this brainstorming session about what we could write. And that's so this, this project was initially codenamed Airport Novel Project. And we 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 uh, quick, we quickly yeah. settled on the idea of superheroes because who doesn't love the Avengers and that kind of stuff? True, but then because yeah. we don't know what we were doing, we didn't do traditional superheroes with their undies on the outside of their tights and their capes and all of that kind of thing. So we went slightly different direction, um, and that. I think we think that's a good thing, but it's not necessarily a good thing. But in any event, that's what we did. So we ended up with characters that all have some kind of abilities or nearly all have some kind of abilities being forced together and into a a pressure cooker situation and having to deal with that. Yeah, I I took a lot of cues from Watchmen, which I I really Mm -hmm. liked. And the, the thing that I like most of all is that in Watchmen, all of these people who had powers were super messed up people. They're, they're, they were traumatised by their own abilities. And I, I, I kind of thought about that as I was writing. Well, all, all, of, the, all of the books so far. 
in that none of these people are regular, happy, and everyday people. All of them are a bit messed up in some. That's very especially, true. Especially Millicent. <laughs> she's she's the most messed up, and I think I think she's the one we've most messed with as well. Yeah, for sure. Of, of all of them so far. I don't know, Trevor. What was your sense of of the characters in in Wonderkin, the from from that perspective of of them being sort of messed up individuals dealing with their demons? Yeah, I think they're all sort of like dealing with, like you say, their own stuff. I suppose the one I was able to relate the most to was probably Elliot, because he's you know he he's a young kid in an environment that is you know, full of adults, he's been forced to grow up very quickly. And, you know, his parents are basically responsible for, you know, the <laughs> for is it a I, I forget, is it a is it a killing corporation? I'm sorry, my memory is shot. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a I don't know what you call it. It is an organization but it's kind of Drive of assassins, yeah. So he's kind of got that to carry, if you like, and he doesn't want to be, and, and, and he doesn't want to be a part of that. So he's the one that got to kind of break away and yet still deal with sort of the aftermath of the damage that they want to they want to cause. And in the midst of all of that, he's just a kid who's trying to have some kind of a normal life. And yet, even in that respect, you know, he's an overachiever. He's, you know, he's, he's at Oxford Uni at 14. Um, and just having to fit into an environment that is full of people who are older than he is with, you know, a set of adult responsibilities already on his, already on his back. And so, no yeah. real tools, no real tools to dealing with any of it. Really, that's one of the things I like about him is sort of he has this real naivety about him in some ways. Yeah, the only thing he really clings to is the idea of justice. But that in him, that in itself really gets him into trouble quite a lot through the entire series. <laughs> and his idea of justice is not necessarily gelling with everybody else's idea of justice. No, it's kind of instant karma he likes to deliver, so I think he's the person to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's that it's that line between you know wanting to do wanting to you know wanting justice, but also wanting to be the hero, and sort of not wanting to be the hero so much as wanting revenge, and the two don't always align. If you like, he wants to prove himself whilst trying to do the right thing, and it doesn't always match up. I mean, that's right. He's, he's, super, he's super smart, but he doesn't have any real wisdom. Certainly not. Certainly not at the start of the season. So also. Also, I, I like Gunther's relationship with him, in a way. Like, he's basically been... He, he's on the path to try and 
follow him and keep him safe, but he can't reveal or doesn't reveal his identity to him. Um, and has to sort of keep himself in hiding, but he's sort of there in the background trying to make sure that he's all right and keep him out of trouble because he knows what this thing that, that that's coming at that, that that's coming after Elliot and wants to try and get there before Elliot does yeah that that leads to probably what's my favorite part of the book which is Gunther's Gunther's confrontations with Paddy yeah um, which, which I really enjoyed I really enjoy that that bit I think that um, yeah, and, and it's kind of the same for Hal as well. You know, Hal's also trying to look after him, mm. but he never actually yet, makes, he never makes contact. And of course, you find out, you find out like, why at the end of the novel. But yeah, I also still really like. Um... His and Kat's friendship. I think you see a little bit more of that in the first book as to how they become close. And she almost sort of like takes him under his wing when he starts at uni and is surrounded by people who are older than he is. And everyone, well, I say everyone else, Agatha seems to <laughs> sort of <laughs> not, be a, not be a fan of, you know, the 14 year old who just joined the group and can't get into any other clubs and bars and stuff and yet the rest of them seem to really involve him and want him to be want him to be a part of things and you know Kat especially seems to sort of take a shine into him and adopt the role of being his big sister and I think that's really sweet yeah I think I think that's kind of how it should be but it's also really interesting that Kat instantly takes a dislike to her um, <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. Well, well, I mean, there's two very different people. Agatha strikes me the sort of person who would go to uni for the uni experience, you know. That's right, yeah. And whereas Kat is, you know, knows what she wants to do, but also just wants to meet people and, you know, explore a world that is beyond beyond her own. And it doesn't, you know, she doesn't. You don't necessarily have to go out and do do all the things that the other students are doing to be a part of that. You can also make friends with the, in air quotes, the outcasts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> which I think, which I think is really nice. And it, you know, it gives Elliot a shoe in because he's obviously feeling really out. He's obviously feeling a bit out of his depth amongst, you know, a university full of students who are that much older than he is. And because of everything that's going on, he can't even start his studies properly because he's being, you know, distracted by this thing that's that he wants to that he wants this thing that's chasing this thing that's chasing him. Yeah, and stalking all the students. Mm. So, who wrote which characters? I know in the I know in the um. In Splice, you wrote Elliot and Zombie wrote Arthur. But who was responsible for writing the other characters? Have a guess. 
Any guess? I think you, zombie, wrote Gunther. Should I should I confirm or deny? I think you should think. you should confirm that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I wrote I wrote Gunther. Um, I think three B wrote Hal. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and who wrote Elliot? You did. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's probably, I knew that yeah, already. That one's probably pretty obvious. I knew so. that already. Yeah. If this this book was written in a very different way than we would ordinarily write the other books that we're collaborating on. So this one. Um, well, we let, let's go from the had, beginning. We we started off. We um, we we heard advice from a few people who were who were indie publishing, who said that one of one of the things you can do is is produce a perma freebie, which um, works differently to a reader magnet in that a, a reader magnet basically draws people to your mailing list, but a perma freebie you you basically have it out free all the time on Amazon and wide um Kobo and all the other ones apple um Barnes and Noble we have so you have it free there and that will draw people in from the other direction so people will see the book on Amazon and go oh, I'll I'll read that and read it and then hopefully then they click on your link in the book and join the mailing list so it's another, it's basically another way of, of promoting yeah and so i i and connecting connecting yeah. with readers yeah and so i wrote i wrote um the, what had happened was our, our our reader magnet. I wrote one about Millicent, and Andrew wrote one about um, Arthur and Gunther. So the the next choice was um, Elliot, really, for me to do it. And so I wrote I wrote if if you took out everything but the Elliot and um, um, Barleycorn things. That 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 is how it would have read initially, and so then Andrew said, "Hey, why don't we turn this into a, a, a full-out novel?" And I was like, "Oh, more work, no." But we did it, and yeah, that's that's how it how it happened. We wrote the other chapters around the book, and we, we were quite surprised it came out as well as it did, given given that restriction that we have, but. Yeah, I think I think we I think it works really well. But there's a there's a central spine of of this, which was the Elliot story, and we made very little change to that. Um, there was a little bit, a little bit changed, I think, towards the end, but very but very little. And the other storylines fit around it, so it was a bit of a jigsaw puzzle to pull it all together. Yeah, because I, I I do notice that he's like the one consistent theme that runs through the story, and like you say, the rest of the characters kind of adapt to his actions because they're all essentially following him. The story is centralized around him; he just doesn't know it yet. And like um, Jay was saying before, at the end of the book, he can't know. You know, nobody can nobody can sort of warn him. He's got to go through all of it himself and figure out how to deal with it himself. 
So all the other characters can do is really either try and keep him safe or, well, yeah, that's basically all they can do is, is to try and try and keep him safe and sort of anticipate what's going to happen next without giving anything away. Yeah, in, in that way, it's quite interesting because even though um, Dunter and Hal don't really interact with Elliot, they do interact with the surrounding story. And more importantly, they both learn, they both learn some very big things about what's going on. Um, and it's quite interesting in, in Hal's terms because obviously this happens two years before Splice starts. But from Hal's perspective, travelling through time, this actually happens to him in between books five and six. So that's that's a little bit strange. But that again, it it really it it's really a big part. This book is a big part of his journey. But you'll probably only fully understand it when you six. As to what I've I've read um Wonderkind and Splice so far, so I still need to work my way through the rest of them uh, well, so we're actually you're... we're actually currently editing six at the moment so <laughs> it will be uh, it's, it's it's out i think that's going to be out in december yeah it's going to be out in december ready yeah for december and obviously book five will be coming out in a few weeks i think yep yeah so it, it's it's interesting in that way because it really shapes it really shapes how, for book six, what the events that occurred in Wunderkind. Um, and for Gunther, it actually underpins all of the rest of his story. So that was interesting, I think. So who are your, who are your favourite characters to write? We talked a lot about Hal and how his story in the book in 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 Wonderkind is set up for to to to, to lead it to, to, for, for the rest of the series, and it kind of wraps up in book six. So yeah. Who are your who who are your fa- who are your favourites in terms of you know not just in terms of them as a character, but how their story is told throughout the series. Well, I like I like what we've done with the Hal Hal situation is that how gets the prologue for every book at least up until book six um when he's actually drawn much closer into the story and will be a main character in the so no nah. so it, it, it it's good and it was nice to have that that's one thing it was really nice to have all of that space in in wunderkin to to give him you know, give him more room to move and get more closely into the character. Because you do get a lot from the, the, the prologues, I think you do, but it was suddenly like, now, now I can play with him properly and I've got a whole book to do it. So that was good. Uh, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing Hal quite a lot. Um, I love writing Elliot, and I, I love writing Millicent, I have to say. Um, Millicent might be my favourite character just because... All my favorite characters to write there's she's got so much depth and she's always quite surprising um she can be extremely violent when needed and she's got no con she's got no conscience about that at all because she's a psychopath um yeah 
so she she doesn't care and she will go to the nth degree to get the job done which is great because it means i get to write some really really, really nasty stuff so i quite enjoy that um, and she didn't she didn't have a point of view in in wonderkin but but i enjoyed made, writing her into the gunther chapters yeah she made an appearance there also yeah. great because yeah i mean we see her we see her kind of origin story in siege and then the reader before didn't really get to see her until book three so it's i think it's nice to have her in there And first one writing in 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 Wonderkind, I really enjoyed writing Paddy because I think I think he not only is he a nice guy, he's also pretty funny and quite. Yeah, I get I get a very what's I get a very Douglas Adams vibe from him. If that makes if if that makes sense. Well, that's nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> from from Paddy. Kind of well between him and Pal, it's 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 a bit of a yeah, a bit of a Douglas Adams Arthur Dent sort of vibe from them both. Because they're both just kind of <laughs> they're they're both just kind of regular guys who have bit who have you know have found themselves in. An, an unlikely situation, and they're both just trying to deal with it while still being regular guys. If that makes sense, like they don't make a point of you know who and what they are. They're still just everyday. They're, they're still just everyday people, but they've been you know they they've been given this task that they've got to fulfil, and yet they still manage to remain relatively you know not relatively normal people throughout the situation and you can tell that sometimes all they want is to be able to go back and just have regular lives well how especially you know he he's he's very annoyed at the fact he's been away from his life in the 50s that's yeah his, that's his big motivation he wants to get home to see his son and that's that would be traumatic for anyone i think and he's been we don't really know how long he's been zipping around time it's probably couple of years um so even though he'll hopefully eventually be able to go back and he can obviously go back in time back to the point he left so his son won't have known but how it's definitely quite dramatic so yeah and there seems to, that's the other thing there seems to be no way out yeah all he can do is sort of is sort of go through it and you know it's almost like Elliot, you know, whereas, you know, but Hal knows what, well, I say Hal knows what's coming. He doesn't know, you know, he, he's not familiar with the time zone that he's in. He's not familiar with, you know, everything that's going on around him. All he can do is basically wait and see what happens next. And where Elliot has, you know, just got himself to look out for, Hal has got, you know, him his family back in the 1950s and Elliot to be responsible for in a time that he's not, that he doesn't really, that, that he doesn't really know. So it's, it, it's a lot for him to take, to, to, to take on. 
and you know it's for it and it's anyone would get frustrated at not being not really being familiar with you know where they are and what the customs are so yeah but yeah between the two of them i do get very douglas adams hitchhiker's guide vibes from them both well, that's which good. I think I'm, is really nice. I'm really pleased to be. Excellent. You say that, yeah. That's a really, really nice question. <laughs> How about you, Andrew? Who do you like writing? I really enjoyed writing Gunther in this one. Gunther was probably my favourite. Again, it's nice because it gave it gave him an opportunity to be a, to be a point of view character. We haven't had that. He's not, yeah, point, he's, in... he's not a point of view character in any of the books. So. Yeah, in, in terms of writing the characters, I think, obviously, I, I usually write the first drafts of Arthur chapters. So I enjoy writing those. Um, but I'm pretty used to, pretty familiar with Arthur now. So this one I got to, got to play around with, with Gunther, and that was great. Really learn about his... His background and history, and like you said, um, from how he how he got sort of inveigled and dragged into all of this craziness that's happening in the series, um, and a bit about his family life as well, which was fun too. Um, some of that, some of the mystery there in the background about what's going on. I think that we tease that a little bit in this book. But that was also fun to do. Try to get the right line there between how much you share and how much you don't. Yeah. Because you sort of want to. Because in, if I remember rightly, when I read Splice, there was a sort of a bit of more of a mystery behind Gunther, and it was mm. the focus was more on Arthur and Elliot. Gunther was kind of a feature, if that's the right. Not a feature. I'm trying to think of the right word. He was a secondary character for sure, yeah. Yeah, it, he wasn't as much of a focal point, so it was nice to have him, you know, be be more, have have more of the focus on him. Having mm. said that, I will say it was weird to read the book without seeing Arthur in there. I will say that. Yeah, that's true. Well, we, we did. I don't give know him why a, we, we did. We gave him a little appearance towards the end. Yeah. Future. <laughs> yes. He's in there a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't have him in there more as a as a fixture. I suppose it's because he he doesn't really connect with the story until Splice. Yeah, it's almost like he comes in mm. in during Splice during Splice, and like you know, he and Elliot are sort of thrown together almost by accident and it's Gunther who kind of not orchestrates that but is who is is orchestrate the right word it's Gunther who is sort of behind that if you like whereas Arthur just kind of goes from being this you know major celebrity to all of a sudden I'm with this kid and we've both got to find a way through the fact that your parents want to take over <laughs> the fact that your parents want to take over and achieve domination if that's a you know if that's the right word but yeah so i can understand why he wasn't in this book 
it just felt a bit weird to read it and not have him not have him in there. I know he comes into it towards the end and it makes sense because it introduces him for the rest of the series. It just felt a bit weird. I did kind of miss him a little bit. Nice though. I um I, I guess I missed him as well when we were writing this. And the other the other character I really like writing who's not in this book at all is Stanley. And he doesn't come in until book three. So it's probably is not... which one? Is which one? Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't come into until book three. His name's Stanley. Oh, okay. So you haven't so you haven't come across Stanley yet. We, we can't really so tell you too, we can't tell you too much about him because it gives away I think what is one of the best gags in book two. So <laughs> if we tell you, you you won't right. you won't right. find it funny. Um, yeah, let's just leave it. We'll leave it. But I but I when you do get to Stanley, I really enjoy writing Stanley. Stanley is a very, Stanley is a very different character. He has a voice all of his own. Um, he's very cool. Um, we're, we're currently we're currently running a we're currently running a um, survey on on our newsletter on who our who our favorite who the reader thinks our favorite character is. Stanley is winning. Oh really? I haven't I haven't checked that yet. I want to take take a look at that and see. Um, that's that's actually <laughs> awesome. I love that. But he he is the most different character, um, and he he's just great. I will I will tell you he is in terms of um, archetypes he is a ferocious tank, but he's an intellectual tank. And I like that as well about him. I, I love his tankiness. He's tanking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been, I've been, I've been recently having him rip um, lamp posts out of out of uh, the ground and using them as baseball bats on people. That's an old favourite of his, I think. I love that. Yeah, it's it's just great. Um, and and I, I I dislike that he he's a, he's the smartest one out of a lot of them. Yet he. He can apply rage quite well, like when he's pissed off. He he's he's just um, yeah, deadly. But and I like I like that a lot. But we we can't really tell you too much about him. So. Fair enough. I, I, I was going to ask, you know, what what is it about him specifically that makes him so much different to any of the. <laughs> any, of the, any of the other characters how does he not fit with the theme but i don't want to i don't want to pry too much yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil that one for you um <laughs> we we wrote this scene in book two and i was sitting right here where i am now and i'm guessing andrew was probably sitting where he is now and i laughed so much while i was writing it and i told andrew and then andrew was laughing as well that i couldn't stop i got into one of things i couldn't stop laughing I went to the kitchen just to get a drink, and Andrew could hear me all the way, just doing to giggle at particular scene. And so I really, I don't want to spoil that for anybody because I think it's really good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you'll, you'll, when you read book two, you, you might get, you might get who he is. Here's, here's the clue: read book two, and when you, when you read, when you hit something that makes you really laugh, you can know we're probably talking about Stanley. There you go. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll keep I'll keep my eyes out for that then. That's another thing I'm curious about because it's not really relating to the book itself. It's, I'm kind of going to go a bit off on a tangent now. 
you've both decided to write a book series in on opposite sides of the world. How do you how do you do that? How do you figure that out? Um, it's, how do you work together? Well, we we've we've got the first thing is the first tool we've got, which I think is the major one. We've got our own little Discord channel, and we use that um, the chat obviously, but also to do all our logistics to um, put ideas in. Put, put the, our research in so we can both see all this stuff that we're doing uh, and that's a really great tool I, I would suggest anyone who's who's seeking to do a collaboration with a writer they do exactly that it's like a virtual office that, that's really good secondly we use google docs which means we can instantly share each other's files um so in in terms of process basically how at least the first few books were written uh, we would we would uh, voice chat about ideas have a good laugh and it it would never be like oh let's do this it would be like andrew would say let's do this and i'd say yeah but we could do this too and he'd go oh that's great but we could also do this and so by the time we ended we, we got some really good highly developed ideas um, and, and that that worked really well and i guess the other big boon is the fact that i i and to work through the night, so I'm, I'm kind of almost on the same time schedule as Andrew, anyway, right? Most of the time, yeah. It seems to it seems to rotate a bit. I'm I'm the one who's um, got a bit of a problem because I apparently need to sleep a lot more than he does. <laughs> 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 and if I don't get enough sleep, I'm just useless. Uh, so I have to uh, have to make sure I get plenty of sleep. Um, which obviously limits the, the the collaboration time that that we have, but somehow we managed to to get this far. We're up to book six now. I think that's pretty good, pretty right. good so far. We we also use a um, a spreadsheet for our a very kind of un I won't call it unique, but our our sort of rough outlining process that we have. And that's also on, on Google Drive so that we can both access that at the same time. So we basically have like a virtual office, as he said. That works well. Yeah, yeah I, 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 sorry, go on. Discord is especially good for this. Why I totally yeah. recommend it, because you can create rooms for individual things. Like we've got rooms on things like cover design, we've got, room, we've got rooms on. You know, just just like a list of things that we need to add into the next draft of something that we out. So we we that's that's wonderful. Basically, it's Discord adds so much to what we can do. Hmm. Couldn't want for a makes better program. It makes it possible. Yeah. Hmm. So well done, Discord. A, a use that you never intended. Honestly, I I think it's awesome. Good like most people would struggle to you know collaborate writing a book with an with another author when they're both you know in the same same time zone in the same room so the fact that you two have managed to do it when you're on opposite sides of the world on different schedules and you know you've not only managed to do one book you've managed to write a whole series which is still a work in progress i 
I think is awesome. And, you know, it, I think I've said this before, I would point anyone who says, who, who thinks they would find it difficult in the direction of you two, because I think you're a solid example of what a good partnership can look like and, you know, and how a good partnership can overcome obstacles, you know, such as, you know, different schedules, different time zones, you know, different lifestyles. And I think you've managed to make it work really well. And it shows in the in the success that you've been having with your book so far. Well, so I, yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool. I think it comes down to a few things. I mean, Andrew can add to this, I'm sure. But I'm still probably gonna embarrass him by what I say. Um Uh oh. Yeah. So I'm ducking under the counter here. Well, but the first thing is, I think both of us don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the work deadly seriously, right? That's, and that's a nice, I think that's nice because you need to have a laugh while you're doing this. It needs to be fun. And sometimes when you're trying to make um, a chapter that isn't working work, it can be a bit stressful. But the, the, the other nice thing about that is that you've always got another person to go to, to about it and if you're just writing by yourself you just got yourself for it i mean i could go on to ink and i could say i'm having problems with jump in but the other problem with that is that for people for people to get the same understanding as me for a book that i'm writing they would have to write the book i mean there's so many you, you have so many misses in, in that situation where you say i've got this problem and they all did what well, no it won't work it doesn't fit in with the rest of the novel or whatever. <clears throat> so in, in a collaboration, you're, if you've got a problem, you're talking to someone else who knows the entire series and who, who can instantly talk to you at that level. They've got that down. So, and that, that works really well. That really, that really does. I mean, I, I don't tend to do it too often, but when I do, Andrew's right there with it, and it's like, bang, we hammer out an idea. I can just go and write it. But that's a really big advantage. The second one is that me and Andrew have known each other for some time and we've, we've become good friends even before even before doing this and now even more strongly I feel um, obviously we spent quite a lot of time together so it would be difficult yeah. if we hated each other um, so that's that's if, if you have I think so much has to go right if you if you want to collaborate with someone it's not as easy as just wanting to do it um, if you're friends, it, it's going to really help. But I think it will only help if you're both as committed as each other. Um, we we said right at the beginning we're going to have a policy of complete honesty with each other. So if something's going on in our lives, we just I just tell Andrew, don't remind, throw me off my same. game or whatever, and Andrew does the same. <clears throat> yeah. <coughs> um, to to that, me, can I cool. add something to that? Yeah, go for it. I, 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 I think that the key is, because everyone, particularly when you've got creative people and you're building something, you, you bring so much to to the project and it, it starts to take on a life of its own. And it's important um, because, you know, the things we're writing are important to us. But when you're collaborating, that only goes so far because then the other person's also bringing their stuff to, to them. That's important. And then you have this kind of clash um and the only way that 
I can see that you get around that is by checking your ego at the door and saying all of this stuff is open to change. It's malleable. These ideas, it's got to be malleable. Yeah, these ideas are open. This is a, a, this collaborative process has to have the input of everybody. And when it does that, it works really well. And um, we just make sure that we, we stick to that transparent, um communication and say you know if you don't if you if you've got a an idea you think might be better or you just want to try it out throw it in and 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 have that discussion if you don't like something say it um there's no point letting it fester or putting a lid on it and turning it into a pressure cooker you just got to get it out there and i think that's probably the hardest thing um that collaborators would would have to go through um, and it isn't that difficult, honestly, but but I think it is the hardest thing because we get so we get so attached to ideas and to characters and to to thoughts. And so you know throwing something into a collective melting pot and letting another person dabble around with it can be a difficult thing. But it's also and we've exciting. seen that it's, it's exciting as well. Sure. Oh, it's because, super exciting because when, because when yeah. we do get into that. Whatever idea I have or whatever idea Andrew has gets amped up ten times by the conversation we have over it. Comes something even better. Yes. That's the and that's exciting because you're, you're both working to make the novel as good as it can be. You, you have to kind of remove your ego a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and ideally, what we end up with is um, uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but the the, the sum is is greater than the you know, the the end result is greater than just the sum of the parts. I think that's the that's the magic of it when it works well well the, um, other, the other thing about in our in our case which i think is also important the fact that we both have different strengths and weaknesses um and so as long as both of you are working on it you always get the strengths of both people and that is that in itself is brilliant that really is it would help if i could speak english for example <laughs> that, that would help but, but no, it really is. I mean, in, in terms of our, in, in the way we do things, I'm trying, without trying to blow my own trumpet, and Andrew can tell me to shut the, shut the hell up if you want. I'm, I'm pretty good with um, story structure. And so when, we, when, we, when we've written the first draft, I will go through and do the second draft to make sure the story structure is intact. But Andrew is much better than me at um, language. You know the, the the solidifying parts of them. So he he does the editing, and I I think that that even though that's entirely accidental, obviously you can't plan that. I think that's worked out really well for us. I do. It, yeah, I agree. You you have this annoying habit. I think a very very annoying habit of being able to hold the entire structure of the novel, the story, in your head in one go. Which yeah. is a feat that I'm incapable of doing, and it drives me nuts <laughs> <laughs> on a daily if basis. If it's any <laughs> consolation, zombie, I can absolutely relate to that. I'm in the middle of a project at the minute, and I'm looking at what I'm currently writing and what the plan was supposed to be, and it has gone so far off track that it is unreal. <laughs> so <laughs> it now resembles nothing to what the original story was meant to be. And I've got to figure out how I'm now going to get to the end, whatever that might be. 
So I can absolutely relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that resonates for me too, Trub. I, I definitely, but, but what, what Jay is able to do is somehow hold the entire pattern in his head at once, even when a ver- it's a very complicated bunch of intermingling storylines. And somehow he can see that. And so we'll have these conversations where I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at a fog and trying to, my brain is trying to figure out how all of these things fit together. And I'm constantly worried because it's a fog wall. You, I can't see beyond it that we're not actually going to get to the place that we want to get to. And he's like, no, it's fine. We're, we're, it's all good. I, I looked at it last night. It's, it's absolutely right. We're going in the right direction. I'm like, how can you know that? <laughs> How can you say that with such utter, utter certainty? You bastard. Uh, and, but somehow he does, and it's, it, it, works, it works out. And no better example than this one, than this book. The oh, yeah. Wonderkind is a great example of that. Yeah. But let me, let, me, let, me, yeah. let, me, let me turn to the other side and, and talk about how annoying Andrew's ability to polish prose is. Because the polish is all his. It really is. I mean, it's not like I don't write some good stuff. I think I do, but then Andrew goes over it, and it's and it's just so much better than when I, when I wrote it. So I I can't complain about that. Um, and that that's Andrew's superpower. If if mine is plotting, then Andrew's is and combined those two strengths have really made this partnership great. I think. Um, mm. And it's nothing we could have predicted, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's just, just luck, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, you make it work for you, and I think it really has. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. I'd love to be, I would love to have, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting better, but I, I don't have anywhere near Andrew's ability to polish prose. And I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say that quite happily. Um, yeah. So right, right back at you, mate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad there's something at least that it, that that uh, that I've got that's that that can be equally as annoying. So that's that's good to know. I, don't know. I think it does work out well in the end. Um, but I'd love to have that plotting ability. Um, that's that's one of the, the the key challenges. Hopefully, it 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 rubs off and we both we both learn from from the process and i think that's the other thing um i've particularly enjoyed about incubator the our writing discord and um and also this collaboration is there's just so many opportunities to to learn more about the the craft of writing with like-minded people um definitely got to be improving We'll just get some readers emailing us saying, "No, you're getting worse." <laughs> Can oh, that's the other thing I'm going to say here. No one ever prepares you for people actually emailing you after they've read your book. There's no preparation for that, and you I get all like, kinds of what comments. Kind of, what kind oh. of am I allowed to ask? What kind of feedback have you had from well, both Wonderkind and Splice? We've had amazing feedback. Like, we've got, honestly, it's been wonderful feedback. And we would we would say it was wonderful whether it was positive or negative, for sure. But we've had some really really nice feedback about the 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 books and the characters and some scenarios. But we've also had some really um, pointed 
criticism about some things too, like, you know, professional, um, we, we've done, we've done our research, right? We, we, we try really hard to do our research, but as far as I know, neither myself nor Jay has ever served in the special forces. Um, you know, maybe he has, he just doesn't want to tell me. Well, and I, I get could, that. I could, I could, I could, I could, I could secret. No, no, you've signed, you've signed the documents. I get it, but, but I have not. So, you know, despite as much research as we've done and we've reached out and we've tried to talk to people who have been, um, who can help us with that kind of, um, fact checking, you know, having someone who's actually been involved in a career, a 30 year career doing stakeouts, come back and say, you need to fix these things up. has been just been amazing. For example, um, actual us um agents <laughs> have commented um so that has been like astounding really uh what else have we had jay there's been there's that, been a few the fan mail we got recently i think it's great i mean that shows i think that shows that we're doing well plus we're expanding our readers so actually to get to get something back from somebody saying i can't remember exactly what it said but it was they were worried we'd be upset with the review they left. weren't at all. Um, oh, loved it! It was fantastic. And, made my day. Yeah, and and, yeah. and um, but it was but it was lovely because it was obvious that she was a fan of the work, and that was that was great. And we, we, the other one we had, I think it was last week. Um, some somebody was somebody mailed us and said, um, oh. Um, I'd love to see you guys write a space opera. You do such an amazing job of it. Mm. And again, it's like that—that's just out of the blue, and that's kind of fan mail about us as writers. So that was really nice to get. And those things are what brighten up our day, really. Yeah, but but there's no there's no preparation. So it's people, you know, we spend all this time as writers scribbling away trying to come up with this stuff and do the best we can and then when you actually do put it out into the world well here's the scary thing there's people out there that read it yeah and and review it and will write back <laughs> so, yeah so it, it, there's no preparation for that it just will happen um i don't think it's talked about very often but that's been one of the the most interesting and eye-opening things for me about this entire process well, writing is such a such a solid. Well, unless you you know you're part of a writing group like this, the activity of writing in and of itself, it's such a solitary thing. And when you initially start out, you're essentially writing for yourself because it's your idea. It's how you want it to. It's how you put it on the page, and it's how you decide whether or not it's going to work. And it's only once you start sharing that, you know, first with you know, first with either a writing group or friends or, you know, people who you have to read to make sure it's, you know, still okay. And it's still, and it, you know, it remains sort of your child, if you like, until you send it out into the big bad world. And if you're anything mm. like me, you never actually think anyone's going to read it. And you almost kind of, it sounds a bit backwards, but I almost kind of hope they don't. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so it can, I can say, hey, I wrote this thing. It's not good, but I wrote it. <laughs> they will read it. They will read it. That's the thing. So, you know, when, when we're writing, we're all yeah. very precious about sharing it with people and getting feedback and critique. You know, you really need to just embrace that because there is nothing more brutal 
than the general public. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah. nothing. And, and and particularly when they're almost anonymous on the other end of a, of a review on Goodreads or 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 Amazon. Um it's it's just the way it is. So we should really like sort of brace ourselves and and step forward into that bravely because you know everything we do in our review process trub is kid gloves compared to to what you get when you put the work out there. And we've yeah. just been very very lucky I think that what we've done so far has resonated with people who are fans of the that sort of genre and they've liked what we've done and I I feel very grateful to everyone for that for the great feedback we've had on that. Yes, but it, and, you please, know. and please send more. We love it. We love getting emails. Yeah, please send more of that. Yeah, that's it. The other, the other, the other, course, the other thing I got to yeah. say about that though is that me mm. and me and Andrew have both fully admitted that we, when we write, we actually just write to impress the other, um, and that's 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 kind of cool as well. So when I write, I'm always writing in a way that Andrew is going to go, "Oh, that's really great," and he's kind of doing the same for me. So there is that instant feedback from each other. Um, and I, I just think that if we like it, other people. I'm going to write for Trub now as well. Cool. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to share it around. I'm going to share it around. Yeah. No, but that's what we do. I mean, I think that helps as well. You pick a small audience, one or two people, and say, I'm just, you know, I write this for you. I know you read it. Actually, one of our other members, John, uh, I think he reads everything that we've we've put out. He does, yeah. And I, I love thinking that I'm writing for him as well because he, he reads. I know he reads everything. Um, and if he – I think that's a lot easier to, to – to, um, what's the right word? To, to – well, to grok, I guess, than, than thinking about 20,000 people reading Wonderkin because there's that many copies of it out there. It's a lot of people probably I don't know how good that is for a traditionally published book, but for us that's a lot of readers of one book. So um I think that's a I think that's an amazing feat whether you're traditionally published or or not. I think you've honestly from where this started, which when you think about it, isn't that long ago to the sort of feedback that you're getting now. I think your output has been amazing, and the and the fact that you've managed to generate so much interest in such a short space of time is a real testament to how you know not not just to how hard you work, but to how well you work together. Because mm. and and a partnership that wasn't effective wouldn't be wouldn't be able to generate the same interest as what as, as what you two have done, and I think it really shows. Well, the other thing I've learned from this is that it is it is possible. I mean, if you if you'd have said to me, I I I initially made some some predictions about the rate we would go at and when we releasing, and we started in May last year, two months after the lockdown, and we've just finished writing book six. Plus, there was the uh, Andrew doing the editing of. Um, Mindstorm and us releasing that, so there's another novel there. So it's been seven full novels. No, well, they're not all released yet, but six full novels. We're, we're editing book six. There will be seven when that's done. Plus, Siege, Fire and Sand, 
Hunter. Have I got all of them? Oh no, and plus yeah, the, the plus the short stories. There's four short stories. Yeah, and there's moment. some other stuff that's partially drafted that isn't complete yet as yeah. well in the same universe that we're working on behind the scenes that's sort of getting done in dribs and drabs. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot. So the final book will be released in April next year, twenty twenty two. And it will be compiled all of the stuff we've done all together, not including the Mindstorm stuff. It will be a hundred thousand words longer than rings a whole lot together and so that that's really what i've learned is the amount the amount that can be done and considering andrew has a high pressure full-time job as well i don't but andrew does um it, it's it's phenomenal really i think how much we've done how much we've got and even then, Andrew often complains like he's not doing enough, and I just I just have to keep pointing back to how much we've done. <laughs> That's true. This is an ongoing theme. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I have yet to meet anyone that matches your work output in terms of you know productivity, generating interest. It it's really it really is something. So I would never worry about not doing enough if anything i'd see you to a sort of people to aspire to in terms of you know in terms of productivity and how you've managed to sort of create an entire franchise if you like an entire world out of you know what was you know just over a year ago out of what was just one idea and look what's come of it look look what's come of it since you've not only written it you've published it it's out there and it's recognized and it's up there with, you know, it's been, it, it, it's up there in the, hang on, I'm just looking for, for a message that um, Andrew sent me. Where it was rated in, you know, number one in the best sellers ranks. So, yeah, and that's, in, you know, that's in just over, it. that's in just over a year. So I would never worry about your level of output at all and especially like you say considering you work a full-time job on top of that i i i think it's amazing <laughs> yeah i don't I don't, know, I don't know how he does it i do tend to be a bit hard on myself i think but the, the best part about this is i don't know if i would have survived all of this covid lockdown stuff without without having this as an outlet and i've always written um i mean all of us are writers so we, that's what we do so we're not going to stop but this was just it all just came together and we said you know what let's just do this let's put this out let's make it happen let's write an airport novel and what are we waiting for and we've made a lot of mistakes um it's been a huge learning curve, but it's been super interesting as well along the way. And we've learned a lot of stuff and we've made a lot of errors. I think we've got some things right, thankfully. But um, yeah, the the best thing, the, I guess the biggest piece of knowledge is you just keep doing it. And we'll, we've got lots of other ideas and other things we want to write. So it's just a matter of time and getting them out. Yeah. And I think we'll do better. We'll get better as we go, just like with anything. Expanding on that point a little bit, it's true mm. we are we are writers. 
and we're both committed writers. I mean, that, that obviously is clearly essential. But what we're not, or certainly what we weren't, was marketers and advertisers. And that's the skill set we've had to start learning. That's where we've made all of our mistakes. We, we walked into this not knowing at all. What we well, I wasn't a novelist either. Well, that's true, yeah. But I, I had only ever completed one novel manuscript before that. And then I had another one that is still sitting there, not completed. So but I, I think, I think there's a whole other skill set there as well. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing is like you, you didn't really know how to finish a novel. Um, and, and again, we, I think with some of your shorts, it was the same. You'd write something and get to a point where you were like, I don't know how to end this. But mm -hmm. the, fact, the fact you've now co-completed co seven novels I think it has definitely rubbed off I can't not have, but um, I'm not so sure about that well, we'll, <laughs> I'm not so I, sure I about that we'll, 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 we'll see when you come to, to doing Muni again but um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's, that's where we've made our mistakes because we walked into this without really knowing how you promote a book or and we, we we picked up some info from various places and we read some books and all of those helped but still at the moment we know we have problems in our marketing setup which we're going to have to fix in short order mm. um and with that the more the more you go on i think the more you learn <laughs> so it's the second part of this is that yes you can write a novel, you're a writer. But you have to be, if you're going to do the self-publishing, which I think is the best thing to do for many, many reasons, um, you're going to have to learn marketing. You're going to have to learn how to do it. And, and, and to, to give a shout-out, I'd definitely give a shout-out at the moment to David Braun because his free course on doing this is absolutely brilliant. If anybody wanted to do it, they, they could do no better, I think, than to start there. And do you think this process would do you think the process would have been different or do you think you would have achieved the same thing had you tried to write the same series alone? No. Either one of you. No, no in, in two in two distinct ways. The first way, no, because it wouldn't have been the same series. It, it this series is mm. the culmination of both our efforts and both our imagination. And I think that's that's what throws it over the top for me. Because I can write something and go, yeah, that's good. But Andrew then edits it and it just pushes it over. I, I see it pushes it over the edge. For me anyway, when I'm rereading it, I'm like, wow, this is really, it's, it's, it's gone an extra step. So no, we, I don't think we could have done it alone. Um, and as for the marketing and advertising, it's, it's, it's more work than you could possibly believe really is obviously every week i write a newsletter andrew edits and andrew's doing um advertising stuff behind the scenes that kind of thing. we're both constantly researching and looking at other products out there no romanticism here. products not um and yeah it, it's there's there's so much there's so much you have to learn really because mm. A lot of it isn't. Um, a lot of it isn't 
obvious, and a lot of it's actually counterintuitive. <clears throat> like I've been reading, I've been reading a few books on marketing recently because I, I tend to be more more focused on that, um, whereas Andrew's more focused on advertising. But one of the things I've learned recently is that see, my thing with marketing is like. I walk into this and I say, what do we want to do? And we want to sell as many books as we can to as many people as we can, right? But that actually isn't the way to go forward. And I didn't realize that at all. Um, in terms of marketing, you really want to focus everything on the readers you want, on the readers who are your readers. You don't just want to try and get everybody to read your book because it won't work. So you have to target things specifically at that section of people who are going to dig what you're doing. And that's not everybody. So marketing in that way is wrong. Um, and it's stuff like that, which I, I didn't know until I read about it. Um, yeah, me too. And even with our covers and cover design, we've been slowly learning more and more about it. And more people have more to say. And even mm -hmm. last week, I was, I was um, revisiting the David Graun course. And there was stuff there that... I, I never really realised, and it should have been obvious. Honestly, when 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 someone says it, it suddenly becomes obvious, right? Um, but I've I've now taken on board a lot of that stuff for my own personal stuff with Damien J Clay, um, and started to use that. And we're gonna we're gonna do the same with the Dizzy Adam stuff. Um, hmm. But it's not. Can I add something in there? Yeah, just it, it's just not obvious though. It's, it's it's my thing. It's like you're gonna have if you're gonna do this. You're going to have to do a lot of research on advertising and marketing, and that's also going to take a lot of time. Sorry, go ahead. Mm. I, was, I want to throw I want to throw something in there for for readers of the of the books mm. as well. I think um, you know back to the to the question of would it have been the same if we'd done it alone? Definitely not. And if you are reading along and you see something and you think, where the hell did that come from? Uh, <laughs> why did that happen now? The, the chances are very high that what happened was that Jay was writing his chapter and decided at the end to pull a pin out of a metaphorical grenade and throw it over the fence at me so that when <laughs> I woke up, I would have to write the next chapter dealing with the mess that he suddenly made. Um, and then vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah, was a lot of that going let's, on. Let's make that so if you're reading, you do exactly the same to me. So. I do exactly the same. So if you're reading along and you wonder why the, plot suddenly twisted and this zany thing happened out of nowhere that's probably what it was yeah and did we keep those in yes we did <laughs> in yeah. this series we did yeah and yeah it's, it's got to be a bit it, of fun it's, it's great fun it adds fun to the writing as well because all, all of a sudden mm. andrew says something and you realize you got to write an entire new book is he do that one to, to make it work so yeah um or, I, mean, I, can't really I make a throwaway line and you have to write a new book. Basically, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should do this. I'm always worried when Andrew says we should do this. <laughs> I think, God, how much work is he adding to our plate? But yeah, that's great. Um, oh, we've got somebody, got somebody else in here. Hi, Hyrule. Hoity, hoity. Hello. Hey. So we're just um, we've been discussing Vondekind, and we're now just talking about the writing process, marketing process in in general. 
Have you have you read the book for this? No, I haven't. I walked in. I just saw people. I was curious. Oh, fair enough. This is welcome, welcome. welcome. This is our book club. Um, ah, very well then. I may leave you to it then. No, no, you're very welcome to, to hang around. Oh well, uh, please proceed as if I had read the book and was just very socially anxious. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so that happened a lot. Lots of grenades, metaphorical grenades, being being thrown back and forth over the over the fence, uh, so to speak, during the the writing process. And um, I, I know I noted as well that Jason before something about it being a product. Do you have any other ideas for where this might go beyond books, beyond it being a beyond it being a book series? Well. Again, I think Andrew's going to want to add a lot to this, but I'll, I'll just say that if, if you're going in the indie publishing direction, um, you have to cut all romance out of it. As soon as the book is finished, as soon as you've edited it and proofreaded it, it's no longer a book. It's, it's a product that you're trying to sell. And you have to do things from that angle. Otherwise, you're going to make a lot of the mistakes that we made when we started off, started off doing this. Um, even before that, even before you start writing. Yes, even before. So I mean, one of the issues you have when you're learning to write is, you know, you, you, you've got to write things you, you love and you're interested in in order to keep that, that interest level and that energy level up to get through and finish the project off. And that, as we know, can be very difficult. But what you'll end up at the end of that is not necessarily something that will sell. Um, and that that disconnect is is a big a big disconnect that writers need to to understand and i think it, it takes us to a certain point in your writing career before you can actually figure that out that this thing you love that was your baby for however many months or possibly years that you were writing away at it is not actually a saleable product not because it sucks but just because it's not you know you've built a car with wheels that are on the roof instead of on the on the bottom of the chassis it's just not right it's not going to be bought by too many customers um, and so there will be problems there that most writers are not going to be qualified to even not not just fix but even perceive well let's, until be, let, let's be blunt we weren't they even, run into we this weren't even aware of this when we started, started out writing we, we, we exactly start, we started writing out this series before we thought we were going to publish it so um, we, we didn't have a we didn't have a clue. So what we ended up writing is what we think is a really amazing, entertaining series, but one which is very hard to market because it doesn't doesn't stick within the bounds of a single genre. Which, if it did, it would make it a lot easier. To but, it, but this this book is all over the place. Um, it sticks within the boundaries of a single genre. It doesn't stick within the boundaries of a single subgenre. That's true. It is science fiction, right? And that's that's as far as mm -hmm. it can go. But but actually, marketing science fiction, just plain old humorous science fiction, is difficult. We didn't know that when we started this. So, um, but it's a lesson we've learned and learned it the hard way, and so we're not going to make that mistake again. But still. That doesn't speak negatively to 
how we feel about the series because we absolutely love the series. We think it's funny. I love it. We think it's action-packed. We love the characters. Um, all of that stuff is great. But yeah, in terms of when, when we started out, we, we were we were basically blind, and you know one of the one of the romantic ideas that you can have is that your cover must be an artistic representation of the story you're telling. It sounds great, but it's, it's romantic and it's actually not true. Your cover's got to do other things than be that. So we, we didn't know that. So all of our covers probably don't particularly well adhere to any particular, any individual subgenre. Um, some of them definitely do, but some of them don't. Um, and hmm. so, but, we, but again, we didn't know that going in. We really didn't know that going in. Which is why I recommend the David Graun course because it covers that right at the beginning. No, no messing around. Um, so yeah, it's it's a learning. It really is a learning experience. You know, even if you even if you're one of the best writers in the world, you're still going to have to knuckle down and learn the marketing and advertising. There's a lot to it. Oh, plus one okay. that. But it, it, okay. it, it can be learned, though, yes. which is a good thing. It can be learned. Yeah. And do you think that's been made easier by the fact that you've been able to work together on it as opposed to having to do it alone? Oh, no doubt, because there's more information coming in. I'm reading things all the time, Andrew's reading all the time, and anything that seems relevant we'll share. Yeah, sure. Makes it much easier. Definitely. Definitely. It, it it halves the work really. And it feels like that on the novel too, you know. When yeah. you when you don't have to write every chapter. It very, very quickly get to the end of a book. Yeah, it's been book six has felt super quick really. And it's a seventy thousand word novel, so it shouldn't feel super quick. Um, yeah. It could be 80 by the time I'm finished the epilogue. It will be 80 by the time. Oops. Yeah. But, but all, all, all good, you know. And I, I honestly would suggest anyone anyone who wanted to try and do it, that a collaboration is, is worth it. But we've, we've just been very lucky that we're both we're both friends anyway, but we're also both fairly easy to live with, I think. So Andrew has his moments, <laughs> which again I'm sure you're going to say that. I'm sure he'll, but, <laughs> but, 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 sure. but but no, but I think that's the thing is is to an extent you've got you've got to be you've got to be very lucky with the person you. Choose work with or, or very diligent like you, you, I think you it would be best if you knew or could work out how committed they are so with us two that wasn't an issue because we both all we did was bloody write in our spare time so we knew that that was that was okay and actually it's turned out even better than that even better than I could have imagined uh, because 
since May last year, so we've written seven books, right? So, and who does that? <laughs> um, and and we've had this open, this completely open policy, which has worked well. Um, I'm trying to think of other. I really recommend that. Other no, that's, that you would that's... need. Mm, that those are key. I think those they're the key things. Take the work seriously. Flexibility. Yeah, flexibility. Yeah, you can't take yourself seriously. Oh, and also being there for the other person, right? That's important. Because obviously Andrew Andrew has less time than I do. If I suddenly started being pushy and saying, "Well, bloody hell, mate, get your finger out your butt, let's get some work done," that that wouldn't go down well at all. And I I, I would personally never do that anyway, but. I'm 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 saying that maybe that would be the case if got together with someone else who either had less or more commitment and have to have to be at least understanding. But it would be even probably be preferable if you both had the same amount of time to commit to it and did. Um, so I think that's that's a possible imbalance that that could wreck wreck a relation a writing relationship collaboration. Could easily, yeah, that could easily do that just because of the different different expectations and different yeah. ability yeah, to, one, to commit time one might simply one might simply see it as being a, a fun project where the other might see it as being something they want to seriously publish and i think it's and i think i think when you've got that much of an imbalance going on then you are likely to run into problems because you've both got different expectations of what the final outcome is going to be yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think what we've got is something that we're trying to treat as a fun project, but also seriously publish it um, and try and do two things at the same time. Okay, Which get, I think get, get a contract signed between the two of you ASAP. Hmm. Is that what you two did? Yeah. Yep. But all of that, all of that was out of the way in, in, you know, the early part of what we were doing. Yeah, we've we've got a, a an agreement, a contract in place for dealing with, you know, what happens if you get hit by a bus or an asteroid or <laughs> yeah, whatever, an alien invasion happens, something like that. What is, if you don't mind my asking, the alien invasion contingency? <laughs> You have to read the series to find that out. Yeah, it's all uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hope that there's some genetically modifying uh, pharmaceutical products available. I think is is one of the one of the answers. Um, no, that's right. No, I mean, so you you've just got to basically have to take it as a business. So if you're doing a collaboration uh, and you and you're serious about it, you you're creating all these products. They're also enduring. Um, intellectual property that has to be dealt with so you know heaven forbid there's a falling out or someone gets you know hit by a wild turkey and taken off their feet what happens uh to to those products and can the other person keep selling them and um how how are they going to be dealt with in people's wills and all of that kind of stuff just needs to be really thought through and put down on paper before you get into it there were a couple of things that we did which which weren't standard in the, in the contracts we were looking at as well, which I thought were good. So one one of the, one of the things that I wanted to do, 
um, Andrew agreed with was that should anything happen to one of us um, for the rest of their life, the other person would keep controlling interest of um, essentially the rights to whatever we've done. So, say for me, for example, if I if I kick the bucket tomorrow, uh, my other half would still be the recipient of my share of the, um, the money, but Andrew would keep controlling interest of the rights to um, exploit what we'd written. And that made absolute sense to me that was the case. Because I am the exploiter. Well, you're, you're, you're the other keeper of the flame is the way I see it, right? That's basically how. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I, kind of feel, I kind of feel the same about my solo works um, in a way. Because you don't know who's going to exploit things for what if suddenly suddenly someone else suddenly gets control. You know, you might have you might have someone sign a deal for Malachi branded toilet paper, and it's like no, no one who knew me would ever let that happen. I don't think, but you just don't know, right? So, as the upper half of ZZ Adams, Andrew's the keeper, of, one of the keepers of the flame. So I felt that was the best thing we could possibly do. Mm. That, that whoever's still around is the person who exploits the rights. Yeah, I, I don't think that we, we, we I didn't certainly didn't see that in any of the contracts we were looking. I think that, that's quite unique to us, but but it's good though that you know, like you say, if, if if something were to happen to one of you, the other one is still able to, you know, take care of it and take it in whichever direction they they want to, without it just simply simply being let off into the ether to have to to, to be to have whatever. Sorry, I'm not making much sense. <laughs> to 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 be to be exploited, like you say. Yeah. One of you always has control of that and can take it in the direction that the other one would have wanted. Which, you know, I'm I'm surprised that's not more that's not more commonplace. Especially for a, you know, for, for for collaborative projects. I would have thought that would be something that most people who, you know, write together would consider. Well, obviously, obviously not. Uh, it, it it could be it could be something that's done more commonly. It's just that we didn't see it a lot in the the the, the templates that that we looked at. Just to, just to get an idea of what what people were suggesting in the marketplace would be a good practice. Um, personally, I'm I'm looking forward to the day that I can you know do the a whole reimagining of the Friends series using the characters from Wonderkin. That would work. <laughs> Does that, mean we're gonna get a, does that mean we're going to get a ZZ a, a Adams Splice um, TV, a ZZ Adams TV series? Well, wouldn't that be something? Uh, that would be, be great. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, think it would, do you think it would be an interesting TV series? I think it would, yeah. I'd definitely watch it. Like you say, it, 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 it was when you mentioned the thing about friends before. I mean, I'm not the, the biggest fan of friends, but if you were to incorporate those character, the characters from ZZ Adams and the storylines, then yeah, I think I, I think that'd be, I think that'd be really cool. 
Well, we I think at this point we just have to finish the series first. How many more? So how many more books is it? You, you, you're currently editing book six. How many more have two, you got planned? Two more. Plus a spin-off, um, which which results from something that happens in book five. So a spin-off that happens basically be five and six. Yeah. And the spin-off is called. I don't want to get this wrong. What is it, Andrew? Super Time Tokyo Zombie Party. Super Time Tokyo Zombie Party. I'm already sold by the title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's... I think it'll be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, And then, obviously, once we finish this, we can move on to another project. we're, we're, We're very excited about that at the moment. Not not saying that we're not looking forward to writing the next two um, DPA books, but obviously it's been more than a year now we've been writing these, blowing some blowing some fresh air through the through the ZZ Adams mm-hmm. office. Quite nice. Am I allowed to ask what they are, or is that under under wraps at the moment? Um. Well, I can say it's going to be a very different genre. Maybe a, maybe a surprising genre, right? but I'll, I'll leave it in, in Zombie's hands. So he wants to stay on it. I don't want to really get ahead of it. I don't want to jinx it. No. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Sorry, Trub. I think I think we should just keep it under wraps until we've actually got some got some progress on that one. So I will say we already we we already have a third series planned that we'll go straight to after we finish the second the second project, um, and there'll yep. be other stuff happening as well in the background. Um, there's going to be a second season of EPA, so that's also that's also interesting, um, and of course there's there's more work being done on Mindstorm. At the moment, so that's all good. So that that will carry on. Hopefully, we'll get the next two Mindstorm books released next year as well. That would be amazing. Totally. I will have to get reading the rest of them and catch up so I can look forward to whatever to whatever you both have coming next. <laughs> well, we're, we're, well, you yeah, you'll have. So. You'll have plenty of time to catch up because I'm getting slower. <laughs> <laughs> in in his old age. Yeah. <laughs> Which officially started at the start of COVID. Um, That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No. It, 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 it's it's exciting. It's never ending to 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 work with Andrew on this stuff and put it out and get the feedback from the readers. It's never endingly exciting. And so I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's funny because my my personal writing has taken the taken the extreme back seat since we've been doing this. Because it's it is more fun to, to write together than alone. It really is. I mean, there's no, there's not even a question. It's so, it's so much better. I, I think more people should try it. I, and as I said, with all the caveats I've given and, and how hard I think it probably would be to find a, a, a match in a writing part. If you can do it, do it. Honestly. 
If you don't mind my asking, something that I've considered undertaking, exactly like what is your process? Do you exchange chapters? Like the the way that I was considering doing it with a, a friend of mine was to basically both split the points of view of different characters and the world building associated with them so that uh, the respective sort of point of view chapters were both different in, in sort of the, the general style and not just in the representation of the character or whatever. But uh, how do you guys do it? Well, I mean, first, first of all, the first thing to say, and I'm going to say this because I've had people tell me that this is the most stupid and mad thing that we could have possibly done, is we've done no world building. Um, we're both pantsers, and people say it's crazy to have done a nine-novel series pants. We've, we've not even a clue as to where it would end up. We know where it's we know where it's going to end up now because we we've, we've written our way into it. But when we started this, we we didn't. We, it was literally we, we were fancy a novel. Um, so that's the first thing is that even though we we do we do world builds, we we have voice chats where we sit and talk about the world and talk about things that are happening and not happening. But we we didn't have all that before we set off. It, it's it's been slowly established through the writing of the books. Um. I'll let Andrew go if I process because I've been talking. No, no, not at all. Yeah, so we we do do world building, but we don't. We haven't sat down beforehand and nutted out an entire bible of the of the world and and figured it out to the nth degree. We we've basically just done the fly by the seat of your pants thing, and then had meetings along the way to to figure out direction and and uh, ensure that we're both on the same page on some of the world building. And some of that comes out naturally through the chapters, but then you have to incorporate it. So it has to, you have to really work hard to make sure that's happening. Um, what we've done is we've split on points of view characters, just like you said, but we didn't split on world building. So we share the ideas of the world building, such as they are. Um, and then each person has a couple of characters that they write the first draft of. Um, and then what we do is we then split functions. So after we've done first draft of everything, uh, we we have a. I guess we'll use our current our current process. We we basically do a scene by scene analysis of of each of those chapters to make sure that they're going to be page turning, um, and then J, three um, B goes through the the um, the plot. All the way through, just to make sure that it all that it all hangs together and all works, and nothing. It's, it's basically a, a second draft that I do. A second draft, yeah, and then once that's completed, then I go through, and do the third draft, and my draft the is designed. Really. Yeah, it's it's the editing and designed to try to get the voices to match a bit more, um, and I think Trub can say whether or not how successful we are in that. Obviously, there is some voice difference. Um, but we we try to blend them a little bit. I honestly think you make it work really well. Mm. That, that, that there are differences between be, between the two, which is you know which is what you want because they're different characters, but they're not jarring. Like they they all you know they they all mesh together in the story. And even though I know it's been written by two different people, somebody who you know was reading it who didn't who didn't know the background 
probably wouldn't be able to probably wouldn't be able to tell because of how well the voices blend together. So yeah, I, I do think I, I do think that's that that's done really well. And like I say, even though there is differentiation between you know between the two between the characters, it's not done in a way that is you know made obvious that it's been that that, that, that it's co-authored. It all flows together really nicely. I, I think that um, that's good to know, Trub. I, I think that's because um, one of us does the second draft, and the, and and then I go through and do the the third draft edit. Um, and so the we we both have an opportunity to kind of add add to the to the overall draft. That's it. And what's what's actually quite funny, something that happens seems to happen quite a lot, is that I'll be going. I'll I'll go through again after Andrew's done his edit. Generally, what I do then is I try to add as many gags as I can. Um, but I'll find things that I think are really funny and post it to him. Andrew will say, well, you wrote that. And I'm like, I, no, that was you. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy is that even at that point, we're not sure who wrote what most of the time. That's true. That's true. It's very hard to tell at the end. We've had a couple of, not arguments, but disagreements. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you wrote that one. That wasn't me. No, no, I definitely did not write that. That was you. <laughs> yeah. I have that with myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Did I write that? Who wrote that? Yeah. That, that Why are they happen. so good at my handwriting? <laughs> they forged my they forged my manuscript by <laughs> hand. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh anyway, that's the process that that, that we go through and um Hero, we, we, we mentioned it earlier in the discussion, but we, we use Google Docs mostly for the for the collaboration so that it's easy to track where we are in drafts and we use different folders within Google Docs to keep the, the various drafts at different parts of the process so that you can always follow along on any given chapter where it is. Um, and at the end, we obviously compile it into one one manuscript. Yeah, we, we created our own version control system that works really well for us. So. Happy happy to share that. No no issues at all. But it's just it's a it's basically just a logical process. Following the process through, you move from one folder to the next folder until you get to the end. Once it gets to the end, it stays there. And then when everything else catches up with it, it all gets compiled into one doc. Makes sense. Yeah, not not super complex, <laughs> but but it works well. Uh, and we use Discord to to communicate with each other and um, Google Docs and a Google spreadsheet to to manage some some of the basic plotting and and um, any other aspects of the book that we don't want to forget. We'll either stick into the Discord or put into the into the spreadsheet. This will be incredibly boring for anyone who isn't interested in writing a novel. <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway, if anyone's actually listened all the way through to the end of this, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! <laughs> You've done. You that. have to be. Uh, you do have to be a little bit involved to stay with it when it gets to spreadsheets and stuff. But I, I understand. You know. Yeah. It's difficult to keep track of after a while. It, it is. It's. It's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, well, I'm hopefully I'm looking forward to the day that someone comes to us and says, "How did you know that thing was going to happen back in book one?" 
<laughs> like one of those novels written in like the 20s that predicted COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And we'll be like, well, the magic of the spreadsheet. Go listen to this podcast and it'll tell you all about it. They even said it was <laughs> Wuhan. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's another thing that I'm often surprised by is that how things seem to link together without almost any effort at all. You know, because we pants this and suddenly something that happened in book one has implications on what we write five books later. One, one, thing, one thing that I will give away um, is that there was a line, there was just a single line in book three, in book two, that essentially um, it, it reinforced what happened when we wrote Wunderkind, but we didn't, we didn't know that when we were writing three, book two, sorry, we didn't, we didn't know that would, that would be a thing, but it turned out to be almost an essential thing that connected. So, that kind of stuff happens quite a lot. And yeah. that's not accidental, and it's not planned, that's accidental. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it, it just, yeah. It's, there's no planning. <laughs> this is a fully it's accidentally pants. Accidentally not planned. Yeah, this is it's a, it's a fully <laughs> pants series, so. And it is crazy, to be honest. I mean, we were a bit, I think we were a bit mental doing it this way. But but luckily enough, we I think we pulled it off. And even at book six, which we just finished the first draft of, um, everything's still holding together. We can kind of see where it's going to end now. And how mm. it's going to leave things for the next season. So yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of them and finding out what happens, what happens next. And honestly, I'd I, I do I do wish you two all success with this Thanks, because Bob. you've you, you've done so you've done so well, and it's been so nice to see a. A success story, you know, that's born from that that has been born from you know this group and from two people, who you know, who who came together one day and decided they could that that they could make something work, and this is how far it's got you, and I really you really do all deserve all the success that comes with it, and I wish you the best of luck with that. That's really Thanks, sweet trouble. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I. We, we we get a lot of benefit out of uh, Incubator, I think. I think it's a really good group. So, again, anyone out there who's into writing and looking for a writing group, um, I think we've got one of the best critique systems and channels around. No doubt. Um, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. People actually get critiques off very good writers here, very good editors. And it happens... I mean, it, ha it actually happens. You come in, you get involved in the critiquing, and you know your work's going to get, in short order, four or five critiques from various writers. So, And people and, will, will help you learn how to do it. So and we've, seen, we've seen success and people be success, and we've got some, um, 
some pretty good writers in the group, actually. So it's that's also been a help, I have to say, Trub, beyond beyond just what we're doing individually or or even just as a writing team. Just having uh, Incubator as a as a backup network has been fantastic as well. Yeah, I definitely say one of the best things about the about the community is you've not only got people who are prepared to give you, you know, who are prepared to give you feedback and teach you how to do the same in return, but you have people who you can share ideas with and comment on the feedback that they've given you. So if they put a comment in somewhere that you're either not sure what they mean or if you're not sure if you agree with, you can you know you can ping them in here and say you know this is what you said on my particular piece of work. Hmm. what you know what's your intention behind that because i'm not in, i'm not sure if i entirely agree and there've been cases before now where you know something's been put through something's been put through review review and one person commented on something and a different reviewer has, has disagreed and said well actually i think it works so it then falls down to the reader uh, to, to the to, to the writer to say which one Am I going? Which one am I going to go with? And I think that's a real benefit of this community is that you can share, you know, is that you can share ideas like that on, you know, on comment on comments that you've had, and decide whether or not you agree or disagree. And it always seems to make the work better than it mm. was than, than, than it was before. Yeah. You learn a lot from that, from yeah, that absolutely. that whole process yeah and people it, who, who can do that and listen and apply it are the ones we've seen really improve in their writing yeah, really and the, it, the people who kind of think they know it all already tend to to not do particularly well or not stick around so just depends but the people who do stick around and and apply things that they're learning themselves because you're learning yourself really you see them just improving, improving, improving. It's fantastic. And then we all benefit from that. I, I so always suggest if I uh, stick around, I'm going to be successful enough to develop like a Stephen King level cocaine addiction. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, that's, you're talking pretty serious levels of success right there. I don't, I don't know if we can, we can back that up. But, uh, Price in Australia too. In terms of, right, in terms of, uh, of, of the, the cocaine uh, availability, et cetera. But um, yes, definitely sticking around is a good, is a good call. The, 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 one, <laughs> the one writer I will always point to on, on um, our server is Gandalf, who, who came to us, like a really keen writer, but in, instantly was getting you know, hundreds of crits thrown at him um, after... You know, pe people were picking up and he responded to all of it and kept going and kept going and he, he last year he wrote a novel i think it's brilliant really i really think it's a wonderful novel um and it, 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 he's exactly the, he's exactly the result we want for people to come here to people come here and really get involved and, and take the critting seriously respond respond to it and learn and go on just to be able to just go right i'm going to do a novel and it, and it turns out great and he also put every chapter of that novel through our critique room. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, so I, you would uh, say that he became Gandalf the White? Well, after, the, after he finished the, that novel, I'm pretty sure he was on the way to it. Yeah, for sure. I, the, 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 a lot out of him. 
Honestly, the novel, <laughs> the novel is amazing. I, I don't joke. It's a, it's really good, and it's it's full of his personal perspective because a lot of it's based on something documentary. So, um, but yeah, to be able to deliver that on the page in the way he did compared to what he was writing when he first came in, which you know really. You know, Rowena's a person to look at because if she's like Rowena's a person I would never disagree with her crits. Even though sometimes Another Aussie. Even though sometimes Rowena's Aussie. Aussie. Yeah. Um yeah. But, but I think she's uh, Australian, no? Yeah, she's yeah. she's in Sydney. So Yeah, I think I should talk to her. So when Rowena when Rowena offers you crits, you might get if you're doing well, you might get like ten or twenty crits. But when when Ganlab was coming in, he was probably getting forty to sixty crits on one piece from her. And as the, as that number goes down, you know your writing's improving a bit because, like, she really is a, a, just a phenomenal editor. She sees right to the heart of what you're doing and picks everything up. Um, he had one story that I think I critted six times. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, and it just improved and improved and improved every time. That's it. Cause he really was responding to it. So. Yeah. He, he would he would be the person I would think represents our ideal member, someone who comes in, has the humility to post stuff they're writing, even though it, it might not be great, and listen to the crits and respond to them and keep, just keep going, just be determined. Yeah, and then we all learn from that. Everyone who's involved in that process, regardless of which side of the crit you're on, everyone yeah. gets something out of that, which is just the coolest thing. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it works. It works really well. Now I've been in a lot of writing groups before. This is this one's kind of interesting. I like it. I mostly write poetry because it's uh, short and I like discipline. Well, I'm 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 a I don't know. I'm, I I dabble in poetry writing. I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm a better editor of poetry than poetry. You're a reformed poet. I am, yeah. I don't I even really edit, to be honest. I mean, I know I should, and one day I intend to, but largely I just write for like catharsis, and I find that once I start the editing process, it sort of arouses a perfectionism in me that becomes unpleasant after a time. Well, see, for me, I I actually, in some ways, find it easier to edit than I do to write, because when I'm editing, I'm working with an idea that's already on the page. And even if the finished product turned out to be completely different from the first draft, I've got something to work with. Whereas when I'm writing a first draft, it's a completely blank canvas. And I've got to figure out what's going to happen, where it's going, what's going to be what and who is going to be involved. Whereas when I'm editing, as I say, I'm working with something that's already, that, that, that's already there. So yeah, in a lot of ways, I do I do find editing easier than writing in that respect than actually writing in that respect. One of the things that's common with poets, I think, a lot of poets that I chat to or who come to the server, is they don't think that editing is necessary, and they'll say and they'll say stuff like, "Well, um, oh, poetry is my truth. You can't edit my truth," and. I it's necessary if you want to publish anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way I see editing now is editing is preparing a text for the reader. 
Yeah, exactly. Kind of like in the way that we've spoken about earlier about book covers. That once you once you finish the book, the book is no longer a book; it's a product. I think it's the same. You have to you have to take the same line in poetry. So you've written you've written your your poem. You've done your catharsis. You that's all there. But now you've got to work out the best way to make a reader get it and to prepare for a reader. And that's that's how I see editing. Um, and the nice thing is there are there are definitely some very simple rules of poetry editing that you can follow. So yeah, I, I, I find that I find that quite good. Um, and I do write some poetry, but I, I've not written, written a poem in other than just jokey poems which I sometimes do around the server. Um, I've not really written a real poem over a year. Um, yeah. So, but then again, I've been writing seven novels. <laughs> yeah, that'll you know, take up some time. I think you should pull your finger out, mate, and really actually get into it. What are you doing? You spare time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're good. Yeah, I think, I think you're good. I think I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we've got we've got a few poets on the server. We do. Always like to read what they put up, but I'm not much of a poet myself. But I do appreciate appreciate the skill that goes into it, and um, and I like to read it, enjoy it. Well, you say that, but you've got a series of small zombie poems. One day, I think we'll make a fabulous collection. <laughs> You'd have to write a bunch yeah, of them. I hope yeah. one of them is like a postmodernist sort of slam poet thing where you just say brains over and over again with a series of different intonations. Now I have to work on that as a project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, unless any, anyone's got any more questions or anything else they want to say, I think we'll wrap it up here. If that's okay with everyone else. And yeah, we'll thank you both. Thank you. And thank you both, thank you both so much up. for, and thank you both for, you know, coming and being a part of the discussion. I, I, I really do appreciate it. And good luck with the rest of, with the rest of your books. I look forward to reading them. Thanks, Trub. We look forward to writing thank Thank you, Trub, for this and, and uh, for setting this up. And nice to meet you as well, Hero. Great to have you. Yeah, around. likewise. Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet Thanks you, Thanks for Hiro. joining in. I shall catch you on the flip sides. <laughs>